Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode 150 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another very special round of Dead Man Talking tonight. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, by my tag team partner, by my wrestling buddy. He is the only man that I want to take this last ride with, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, oh man, after 150 episodes of this podcast now, after probably about 500 hours or so of talking Mm. about The Undertaker and... double that, triple that, quadruple that of watching Undertaker matches and doing the research and all of that stuff. After all of that, after the last ride episode number five this past Sunday, I think I'm finally speechless. I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to say. I know, man. It was, uh, yeah, it's been a long, long time coming for this and, uh, yeah, Speechless was a great way. I mean, emotional uh, ending to the series. Great series. We're going to break it down here. Um, almost feels like we could just end right here at 150 because with this last <laughs> ride, you know, we're like, we got 10 more years to cover, you know? So it's kind of weird, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's emotional and it's, yeah, Speechless is great. And as we'll see in, in uh, some of the Talking Head interviews and in it, these guys were kind of speechless too, so. So as we talked about, we've said it many times on the show, and we'll talk about it more as we go on. We started this podcast three years ago now, uh, coming up uh, this August. It'll be the three-year anniversary of us starting this show, thinking that The Undertaker's career was over. And then we went on and did it for seven or eight months. Uh, With that being our mindset, The Undertaker surprised us coming out of retirement and adding uh, about um, eight or nine or so matches to that ever-expanding Excel spreadsheet of matches that you made up for us, Travis, for us to go by here on this podcast. But now, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, let's not bury the lead, The Undertaker essentially retired said he no longer desired to go back on the ring in the ring said he was hanging up his six shooter this past sunday on the last ride episode five uh something uh, you know not totally unexpected but still i mean it, it was crazy to hear him finally say it in this way of course with a little caveat saying you know sure never say never uh which is kind of the story of this whole series the last ride (laughs) exactly um but wow man it's uh you know we decided to cover this whole series because we knew that the finale would be a big deal whether or not he actually retired or not but man like you said it it almost feels like we could end things right here it's just like (laughs) Yeah. Of course, it'll be great going forward and doing the rest of his career after this. But wow, man. I mean, yeah, I, I just I'm speechless. I'm interested to hear and see our takes on the rest of his career 
uh, the next 10 years now that now that we know it's done. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I wonder if it's going to change the way we look and appreciate appreciate things. I, I, mean, I was thinking about that kind of just subconsciously the other day, and I, I wonder – I wonder how that's going to change uh, or if it's going to matter at all or factor into the way we look at things. So anyway, maybe we won't rip on too much anymore <laughs> when stuff sucks. I don't know. We'll I see. don't know. I'll try to be honest, though. <laughs> I think it will color this the rest of this podcast a little bit differently. You know, we've got about, um, I don't know, something like 30 or so episodes left. Uh, we should finish up around... Uh, February or so of, of 2021. Finally, you know, if things go according to plan, we've got, uh, we're in the year 2009 right now. We're taking a break. Uh, like we said, a little detour. We're going to dedicate this entire episode to the all five episodes of the Last Ride series. Um, you know, we're not going to break it down, you know, second by second, kind of like we do Undertaker's right. matches. We're just going to talk about each episode, some of the standout moments. Um, we've recapped each episode as they've come along, but we want to go a little bit mm-hmm. more in depth in them and just, you know, it, it, we're going to try to feel it out. We don't know exactly how it's going to go. Just try to have a, a conversation yeah. about it and, and hope you guys and call in the ring. It. We'll call in the ring just like the Undertaker <laughs> exactly. would, man. But, um, yeah, what a special series this has been. I, you know, um, we'll talk about it more once we get to the end of it, but I think you've said, Travis, uh, this is the best thing the WWE Network has yeah. ever produced in six years now. Uh, without question. I don't know what else could possibly overtake this. Uh, no pun intended. But, I mean, just honestly, because nobody's character is like this. And there's no no more – no one has a history untold like this guy. Uh, you know, so um, this is – yeah, best thing I've ever done. I thought maybe that uh, – FCW documentary was was it or the Edge coming backstory was it? But ah, this one takes the cake like and just runs with it. <laughs> if you want, who runs with cake? But it takes the cake and runs with it. <laughs> I usually eat the cake, but this takes and runs with it. <laughs> you know, you think about just how far WWE behind the scenes documentaries have come too. Just yeah. like, remember getting those DVDs back in year two thousand, and it was you know it was always the same talking heads of like. Bruce Pritchard mm-hmm. and Eric Bischoff, the same interview that they used for like 10 years, like in front of a, oh. just like a blue <laughs> background or something. Um, you know, it was always yeah. the same clips and uh, it, they were good. I mean, I watched them over and over again. I watched every one of them. They're yeah. all entertaining, but this man peeling back the layers, showing us the reality of, of someone that we've never seen this side of yeah. too. That's what makes this so special. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't think of anybody on the current roster that would even compare to this. The closest you would possibly get would be Bray Wyatt, but he posts pictures on Instagram of his child, you know, so uh, already and he's not been in the business for 30 years. So <laughs> Taker just started doing that like a year or two ago. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And, you know, that's I think there's I was trying to think of other guys you could do this on. And I, there's nobody that compares to Undertaker. Um, I do have a couple ideas for maybe potential sequels or, or, or other series that could be close to this, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that towards the end. I've got some things I'll run by you, but man, we'll, let's just start it off. Let's talk about yeah. episode one of this five-part limited series on the WWE Network. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched this whole series yet, I mean, I just don't believe that's possible. I don't believe anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> right. does not listen to this, not watch this series, but obviously 
go watch all this stuff before uh, you listen to this. You and I both rewatched the whole series before we did this, uh, so we re-binged it to take notes on it. Uh, this one is called Chapter One, The Greatest Fear, and it's basically going to cover, um, sort of going to give a recap of The Undertaker's just the baseline of his entire career before setting mm-hmm. up and focusing on three days, the final three days in the match at WrestleMania 33, which jump-started the idea for this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I just wrote in my notes that if I could sum this episode up in two, two words, it'd be dedicated and vulnerable. And honestly, not just this episode, this entire series is basically that. That's what you see from the beginning to the end. He's dedicated and he is vulnerable. And a couple of or a quote he kind of says in the beginning of this is, you know, he's, I want them thinking, that, you know, this guy's got a lot left in the tank. You know, if I can leave with that, I'll be content. I can walk away. And he says, you know, I've been saying that for a long time. And that's kind of repeated throughout the series as the years go by. So it's kind of funny that uh, he, he's aware that he doesn't want to be a parody of himself, but he keeps not having the ending that he wants. So he, he keeps coming back to not be a parody of himself. So anyway. Yeah, it's the real life struggle, and it's mm-hmm. something we've talked about on the show the past few weeks with the Shawn Michaels matches and the CM Punk matches, mm-hmm. and how those matches, well, well, the Shawn Michaels match was special because it pulled in so much reality of those characters, yeah. and the CM Punk feud um, maybe didn't do that quite as much. It was more focused on this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm, pretend story like this this extra stuff that they kept adding in there with teddy long and everything uh, but that's what makes this so show so great um obviously it's a reality show but I mean, we're seeing that real struggle um in not just the undertaker but in the man mark calloway um i think we covered this was during the biker taker era he did that uh off the record show with uh mm-hmm whatever that tool's name is. Canadian guy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think he said that exact quote. Like, I don't want to be a parody of myself. I don't want some dad taking their kids to see me and saying, oh, you should have seen that Undertaker guy back back then. So this has been on his mind for years. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's crazy, man. But And again, right from the get-go of this episode, we find out that I mean, one of the things that blew me away was that he contacted Vince three days before WrestleMania 33 and, you know, wanted the cameras to document him. So it's just really interesting to hear that he made the call. He w- And he's the one that had to make the call because, as he's going to mention later on, he's passed up opportunities after opportunities for things outside of the business. But he was so dedicated, like I said, um, that he wanted to protect this character. So he's finally choosing, I think this is my last match at WrestleMania 33, I want to document this for my family, basically, because if you hear podcasts since then, he's talked about he was just going to have this as a home video for his whole family. Never really intended to release it or anything. Just supposed to be documenting his last, you know, a few days for his for his kids, basically, or his daughter. You know, so, so he obviously didn't know it'd become this epic uh, miniseries, right. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, he he clearly thought this was going to be the end. This was the last week in his career. And he was trying to take it all in. I mean, you can see him as he gets off the plane at the beginning of this episode. You can see the wear and tear on his body, man, in these early episodes. You can see the limp is just extremely pronounced. Um, I'm not trying to be mean or rude, but he is 
He's overweight. He's not. He's big. He's big. Um, He's heavier than he's been in a long time. And he just he just looks to be in pain as he walks around this uh, WrestleMania weekend. He really does, man. And I remember you and I were this is the last what last mania we got to watch together, wasn't it? And we'll cover that when we get there. But, yeah, we were on my couch in my house. And I think we both kind of admitted that, too. Like, he's looking a little rough out there, like big, you know, just kind of big. You know, if this is his last match, he's looking a little bit for it. But, uh, and it's just really cool. Like, they kind of, I think it's when they're here is, is when he's uh, talking backstage to Cornette and Jimmy Hart. And he's like, you know, they can call me Santa Claus now because I only come out once a year. And I just thought that was great. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, probably the last time we'll ever see Jim Cornette on the WWE Network. Uh, oh, seems like yeah. at this point in time. Uh, yeah. But I enjoyed seeing him there. Uh, Rest lo- in peace, Cornette. <laughs> Love the interaction with Roman Reigns at this like check-in area <laughs> yeah. for the WrestleMania hotel as Taker's checking in and Roman Reigns just sidles up next to him to check in and Taker's like, really? Really can't keep ten minutes? Wow. Screw your camera. <laughs> oh, it was great, man. But even then, you know, Taker's kind of joking, but I think he's kind of serious. He's even serious. Even if that camera following him, he's kind of serious, too, like. Come on, man. Like, this is supposed to be protected. But anyway, again, he's dedicated, like I said. Well, that's why this show is so effective because there's never been a guy for this long, for 30 years, like even long past Kefe being dead and, you know, everybody, uh, you know, the internet and smart, mark, smart marks and everybody being in mm-hmm. on things. No one has ever maintained his character like The Undertaker has. And we, we see nope. that. They kind of show in the early part of this episode, seeing the early days of his career from his debut and all these legends talking about him. You got Mick Foley, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Shane McMahon, Stone Cold. They're all putting over this um, the icon that is The Undertaker. Yeah, and one cool thing that Shane in particular says is he says... People fell in love with the character. They also fell in love with Mark Calloway because they know he works so hard for them. And I just wrote in my notes, uh, this is one of the best and truest statements in this entire series. And it's something that I think you and I both would admit that has happened to us over the experience of Talking Taker, you know, as this project. We both admitted from episode one, he wasn't our favorite wrestler. We loved the character. We were always intrigued by him. He was always had cool stuff going on, but it, he wasn't something that was... We have to tune in like, like and collected all this memorabilia stuff. I mean, he was definitely iconic, but I've grown to love, and I think meeting him a few months ago had something to do with it too, but like, I've grown to love Fallen Little Mark Calloway because I appreciate, as we break down all this stuff under a microscope and with a fine-tooth comb, like, I've seen the dedication and the nuance. Like, I always talk about the nuances, the little things. Seeing them as we've covered his entire career, like, it's made me fall in love with the man, you know? Like, from a platonic standpoint, but, you know, like, but like Shane saying that was very it just stuck out stood out to me and you can see all these guys that you, that you just mentioned they uh you know they hold him in such high regards absolutely you know when you have watched everything he's done in his entire career in this condensed <laughs> yeah. way that we have you know you appreciate his dedication his work ethic all the little things that he does so much more than uh, than I ever had before um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's become, without a doubt, my favorite wrestler um, over the course of mm-hmm. doing this podcast, even though, you know, he was, you know, he was not. 
I, I loved him right. and I respected him, but I never appreciated mm-hmm. him and um, put him at the top of the list like I do now. So we see uh, the we talk about the importance of WrestleMania throughout this episode. Um, a, a lot of guys that have been part of this streak, like Batista and Edge and and Triple H, kind of put that over. Um, we see some clips from WrestleMania 27, um, but I don't see our buddy Josh's shirt in the crowd. So uh, <laughs> no. not from the right angle, but uh, we'll talk about that no. in, in a few weeks when we get to that episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't see Josh's big green shirt there either, but I was you know, he it. talks about, I was, man, me too. You know, Batista and Edge in particular talk about their opportunity they got versus Streak, and you could tell how humble they are and how much respect they have for this guy. Both of them are featured prominently to this entire series and you can just it oozes off both of them how much they love this guy and how much they respect him and honored they are to have shared the ring with him but um taker says you know the streak is what made it okay for me to only work once a year i had to defend the streak and you know he says his schedule was basically i get ready for mania i have a mania match i have surgery after mania i rehab i get ready for the next wrestlemania you know and like what a freaking guy like even if you're working one time a year it's because after you're done working, you're getting surgery. <laughs> you're rehabbing for the next year. Like he's not just out fishing and like playing and like you know just blowing his money. He's he's rehabbing for the next year. I mean, just what a guy, I man. Again, dedicated. Yeah, he talks. Uh, I think it's this episode. He talks about how it's almost harder to do it that way to yeah. um, to, to only work one match a year because of how important it is to just. Um, basically be in ring shape. You know, we've heard a lot of wrestlers talk about that. How mm-hmm. It's a different kind of shape, uh, how you got to be used to taking bumps and, and, and get into that, that sort of style. And there's, there's no way to replicate that besides being in the ring. Um, and so having to get up for that high and then totally get away from it and then try to work yourself up for that. Uh, it's almost more exhausting to just only work that one match a year. Yeah, exactly. And that's unfortunately and speak- what leads to problems at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, I was gonna say, speaking of that, leads to WrestleMania 30, which, you know, we, we'll talk about and break down more later on. But he talks about, you know, that his last memory that day was at 3.30 in the afternoon. And, you know, that's it. And so uh, that's he, he doesn't know where he, where stuff went wrong. He doesn't blame Brock either, you know, but he's never he can't pinpoint where stuff happened. But um we meet Larry Heck, who's going to feature into this. <laughs> he's the athletic trainer. We meet Larry Heck, who's going to feature into this show. And uh, he's talking about how after the match, Taker was just gone. He was just sitting there, like, and his eyes were just glazed over, and he was there. Uh, he Or he wasn't. The lights were on, but nobody was home. Mm. And the, the one thing that stood out probably the most to me in this whole entire episode was that Vince coming to Gorilla and basically yelling at people, like, I need some help here. And then he goes – to the ER with him while WrestleMania 30 is happening. As we pull into the hospital, Carlos behind us was a, an SUV. Doors open, of course the first person who's there. WrestleMania's still going on, but who's outside the ambulance? Vince. Vince and Brock. And of course, you know, Mark cusses Vince, don't you have a show, you know, that's still going on? But Vince wouldn't have it. And we're sitting there in a room and he kind of looks up at us and he goes, I'm not dead, guys. Come on. And so it kind of made the, the room laugh a little bit. So we were able to start joking around. I mean, the chairman and then your biggest star both get out and and go to the ER with him while WrestleMania 30 is happening. Like, that is unheard of, man. 
It's unheard of. I mean, it's the biggest WrestleMania ever. It's the, that's the first one yeah. on the network. That's them launching yes, exactly. this most important innovation in the company's history. And Vince leaves. He, he misses the second half of the mm-hmm. show. Uh, he misses the main event to go be yep. with Undertaker. So that's a little foreshadowing of one of the sure. important storylines of this series is going to be that Undertaker, Vince McMahon, or Mark Calloway, Vince McMahon relationship mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to see so many uh, really special, incredible moments and such great conversation about. It's going to be one of the highlights of the series for me. But, I mean, yeah, that is just unbelievable, man. Yeah, it blew me away, man. And, and then – Taker admits later on, like, you know, that he says that one concussion in one match destroyed my confidence. And so I could see we that. see him I mean, then. I, I yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and uh, we see him at WrestleMania 31 kneeling in the mirror. And again, we'll get to all this stuff in depth later, but you can see him when he's kneeling in the mirror and the camera catches him. Like he's a little shaken, you know, not really ready like he is. And Triple H comes over and basically drops a few bombs on him and says, show him who the heck you are, you know. It was Triple H that really spotted it. And I'm waiting to go out just riddled with self-doubt. And Triple H came to me, and he, you know, he's just like, hey, remember who the f*** you are. Show them who the f*** you are. Last year, killed this thing. Triple H even admits, like, you know, it's hard for me to even contemplate that this guy felt that way. He's a, he's a freaking undertaker, except he uses a different word, but he's like, this is the guy who's unshakable. You know, he, seeing him shaken a year later is just out of control, man. It's, it's unheard of. That's what another thing that makes this series so special is to see this guy. Uh, you know, there's just this picture of of manliness, of intimidation, of fear, just this icon that we've all seen on our TVs for 30 years. He's just, he's a human being. You know, he's, mm-hmm. I, I see myself in him like i've been in that situation mm-hmm. you know uh and um that was one of the cool things about meeting him even if it was only for 30 yeah. seconds like we were so intimidated right. and afraid of him but <laughs> he just he's just a guy he just you know he said hey to us yeah. shook our hand kind of cracked a joke with us he laughed at us yeah. when we walked away it was just like oh he's he's just a guy like you know and he's a really cool guy yeah. um and a really normal guy and to see these fears and inadequacies it just it humanizes him so much and it just makes you appreciate him uh and his sacrifices so much and um i love that about the hall of fame footage that we get during this episode (laughs) one of my favorite parts of it um because you know we always hear those stories about undertaker not being at the hall of fame he never sits in the crowd at the hall of fame they never show him on tv because Again, he, he's committed to that character. He doesn't want to be out there and it wouldn't look right if he was out there in a tux sitting in the crowd. But it's cool to see him getting to enjoy it backstage and hang out with Kurt Angle and uh, DX and Teddy Long and all these guys. Yeah, seeing Teddy was great, man. That was a great little cameo. Was that the, the year that he was in? It must have been, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think it must so. have been, yeah. But seeing them just brought great memories back of the stuff we've been covering the last, you know, <clears throat> couple – months here but i like to you know he walks in he's like was this an old timers convention and uh who's there like jericho and christian and yeah, edge and all edge. them so they're all there so it's great and then sean's like oh yeah we're just waiting for the chairman to walk in or whatever <laughs> you know like ah. <laughs> so that was great, that was great. Uh, we get some good business with uh taker and kurt angle too and some cool uh cool 2000 
2001-ish era behind-the-scenes footage of those guys, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's, they're sitting there, you know, on the, the uh, couch or something, talking and joking back and forth. And what's, what does he say? Something, something like, uh, I think you'll have a future in this business or something like that. <laughs> or something like that, yeah, to, to angle, which is just funny. So, obviously, that's the night before WrestleMania or uh, or two nights before. I can't remember uh, what night yeah, NXT was back then. But, anyway, WrestleMania weekend. So, Undertaker's taking that in, enjoying that. Uh, but we see a little bit of behind-the-scenes footage of Undertaker um, and Roman talking as well this night before WrestleMania and some cool rehearsal footage uh, from the night before Mania of Undertaker getting his entrance just right and his street clothes and everything. And again, you can just see that the pain that he's mm. in. Um, yeah, he looks rough, man. And he has a great quote as he says, I'm either going to go out with a match that's befitting the Undertaker at WrestleMania or I'm going out on my shield one way or another. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the story of the rest of this series, basically. You know, honestly, because this was supposed to be it. <laughs> this was supposed to be it right here. As far as he knew, uh, this was it, you know, and so he's he's thinking that that's going to be it. Um, but it's not. And one quote he has, I don't remember the context. I think he's talking about himself and just like about the business in and of itself. It's like, you know, this business, you got you got three rules. You know, it's don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass company, and don't embarrass Vince. And especially nowadays with what's going on in the wrestling business, we, we're seeing guys embarrass themselves and embarrass the company and embarrassing Vince and stuff like that. and uh, Or even in other companies, AEW or whatnot. But like, take your dude, he doesn't have skeletons in his closet that you're going to hear mm. dig up the dirt sheets and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, even, even Austin had stuff. Flair's got plenty of it. Hogan, you know, like the big, big guys. You know, The Rock is pretty, pretty solid. You know, um, but Taker and like Kane. I mean, seriously, Foley. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. just a couple, there's a couple of guys. I mean, that you can't really say. I mean, Sean's former life before he came back was a wreck. <laughs> you know, right? So it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just really, it's some words I wish the younger guys would live by too. You know, don't embarrass yourself with company or events. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you see just how important that is to him, how he lives by that motto. And um, you see it as he, um, we get this great footage of him in the training room getting, I assume it's cortisone or cortisol, some some sort of injection yeah. so he can go out and compete tonight. You know, he's his body's broken down. He, uh, he was, they showed footage of the Royal Rumble that he was in a couple months before this and how he basically said, I knew that night I didn't have any business being at WrestleMania. Like I, I knew I didn't have it anymore, <laughs> yeah. but they'd already committed to it. They'd already started it. So he wasn't going to back out of it, but he's doing everything he can to go out there. And um, we see an extended package on this match with Roman Reigns from WrestleMania 33. And basically you just see Undertaker's body break down before our eyes, man. You know, he's, um, mm-hmm. he's there for the first few minutes of the match and is just, He's dropping Roman. He he's kind of falling about, and he's just he's not the Mark Calloway that the Undertaker that we've known and loved for all this time, man. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, bit. yeah. Another thing that was heartbreaking was just watching the ending again. You know, with him putting the putting everything the outfit on and taking it back off, and yeah, just the, the up close shots of those folks in the crowd, man. Like adult men and women, like booing and yes. crying because they thought the same thing we thought that this was it you know this is the end of the show of him you know this is 
you know, the cowboy rides away, I guess. But, you know, and thus we we birthed this podcast out of it. So, uh, you know, we were correct. That was nice to, to know at the time. But, um, you know, and just watching the applause and the adoration backstage from, you know, all his peers was was really, really cool to see. And uh, they immediately interview, you know, his wife backstage. And she's like, you know, I think he's, you know, this is it. Like, it's <laughs> like, uh, so naive. Like, First of many sure times we hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and we see Vince and Taker embracing in the training room, and Taker's, you know, basically saying, "Was that was that what you wanted? Is that what you needed?" And Vince is like, "Yeah, man, of course." But Taker's like, "Yep, all right. Well, it's good enough for me." <laughs> yeah, he said that's all that matters, and that just you know sums it up to me. He's dedicated, dedicated to this man too, you know. But he's also vulnerable because he's seeing, like you said, seeing this guy who's in, encapsulates manlyhood, manliness, manlyhood ask Vince if he was happy with it. You know, like, you hear stories like Taker calls the shots backstage and he doesn't want to put this guy over. And I'm like, I don't believe any of that anymore. Like, none of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I mean, maybe a couple things he might have said, no, I don't want to work with this guy because he's sloppy. But, like, I don't believe any of that stuff was, like, out of mean-spirited at all because he's so, like, he's like a big teddy bear. He's like, is it okay, Vince? And Vince's like, yeah. He's like, all right, then we're good. So, I don't know. But that sums up that whole episode. That's That's, that's it. He probably was like that about Hayd Vanson or uh, some other guys. Like I mean, that. yeah, <laughs> sure. But, I mean, as far as you hear, like he was, it was you know, mean and angry and wanted to put, didn't want to put this guy over or you know, squash this guy. I'm like, I don't know, man. I just don't know if I believe that. I know, I, I really I, don't. I just don't believe that in general uh, about a lot of stuff in wrestling anymore. Right. Like the more I hear yeah. stuff, but yeah, who knows? It makes for a good story. It makes for a good story. But, yeah, there's there's yeah. some truth around it, but it's never as true as. Uh, uh, old Meltzer might make it out to be, or Bruce Pritchard, or anybody. But uh, sure, yeah, yeah. guys, that guys that work with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we could uh, kind of give give out some awards for some of these episodes as we go along, Travis. Ooh, so, Dundies. Uh, we'll call them Takeys. Undies. We'll call them Undies. Oh, aches. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you think was uh, your favorite? Uh, cameo random appearance somebody you weren't expecting to see uh in this episode whether it was a talking head or just somebody in the background oh just teddy saying teddy backstage it was great i just love he's wearing a red suit or something wasn't he too oh he's wearing classic like jacket down to the angles teddy long yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, goes to teddy long i'll give mine to jim Cornette. uh i was not expecting to see him in this and like we said we may never see him again. So, yeah. <laughs> um, what was your uh, funniest moment of this episode? Uh, I think him and I think Taker and and Angle. You know, just saying like you know you might have a you know, future in this business, kid. It was just kind of funny. So I really <laughs> like that. I'll uh, I'll give it to uh, Taker and Roman at the hotel backstage. Sure, can't kayfabe for ten minutes, man. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, and what was your just most eye-opening revelation, something that just did not see coming, uh, had had never heard before out of this episode. I don't think I'd ever heard that Vince left WrestleMania in the middle of it. I mean, I think I, like, I never had proof of that. I, I, don't, I think I may have heard that, but I don't know. I, that, that that was shocking to me that he left, you know, Mania. So that was that takes the cake for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. Um, that's got to be number one. Um, just to say something different, I'll say 
you know, him him getting those cortisone injections uh, before the match, that was just eye-opening to me to see that, you know. I mean, I know guys do that. I know that's not uncommon. But the fact that he showed that, you know, on camera and just yeah. kind of peeled back, you know, the doors in the camera room. And during this, ep- during this whole series, he's just letting it all hang out, man. All the warts yeah. and all and showing that. It was really, uh, really eye-opening to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that was supposed to be just uh, special on the, or just for his family, and you know maybe it would have ended up on the WWE Network at some point. Who knows? But yeah, life uh, life has a funny way of uh, of going on its own path, and uh, the sinking sour feeling in the Undertaker's stomach about that match not being the one to end his career on leads us to the rest of the series in Chapter Two which is called The Redemption. So how would you sum up this episode? Uh, disappointment and redemption. You know, I think redemption is a great story for it, but disappointment also, I would say. Uh, you can see the disappointment from that match, both in his performance and just the way that he, you know, was supposed, that was supposed to be the biggest moment of Roman Reigns' career, beating the Undertaker, the second person ever to beat Taker at WrestleMania, you know? Um, it's not as cool as being the first person, but still, it's the second person, but still, only... Only other guy besides Brock Lesnar. That's, that's some pretty good company you're in. It's just a d- disappointment that that wasn't the rocket that got strapped to Roman's back that just burst into the atmosphere, you know, because it just wasn't the match he wanted. So, I think that that hurt Undertaker's feelings and pride more than it being not a great representation for his last match. Like he talks about how yeah. much yeah he let Roman down, and we see mm-hmm. I, it's in this episode where he. Um, goes to Roman after WrestleMania 34 is just like, I'm sorry, man. Like I, mm-hmm. I hate that it wasn't what we wanted it to be. And Roman's like, dude, it was, it was fine. Like it was me and you. And they're like, I don't think about that that much, but Taker took that to heart uh, more than Roman did. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, this, this episode starts off with, you know, him in the back and you can tell how, you know, he's really hard on himself, like you said, and he's frustrated and disappointed. And, um, Big Show makes a very good parallel talking about the match at WrestleMania 33. I think it was very religious. The jacket, the hat. It symbolizes how Taker worked his entire career. When you leave that ring, everything's in the ring. You gave the fans everything. Whether there's 400 people there, whether there's 400,000 people there, you leave everything you have in the ring. Which is something that I know you and I have, have definitely noticed and picked up on. You know, even if it's something like Heidenreich or Luther Reigns, he still he gives a hundred percent no matter what he's doing. You know, so that was a really good parallel by Big Show. I didn't think was going to make a big poignant <laughs> statement like that. So, well, you see it as he walks out of WrestleMania 33, and just this is again like I love Undertaker. I'm not trying to be mean, but this is about the worst I've ever seen him look. Yeah, he's just in gym shorts. Sure. His his gut is hanging out over him. He is limping. Mm. He's just in pain walking out of this um, out of this match. You can tell um, he's kind of at the bottom, um, and that's what takes him into surgery. Uh, I think it's the same week after WrestleMania, not far after it, where he's, he's going to get his hip replaced. And, again, I'm just amazed that he lets the cameras into this, and, and we're able I to know. see this stuff, um, this footage of him in the hospital with Michelle. 
Yeah, and again, I couldn't watch the literal surgery oh, of no. it. Is grimacing the whole time. <laughs> I can't watch it, but seeing him in in the uh, you know the pre-op room and the nurse is like, "You had any surgeries?" And- Never gets old though when they say, "Have you had any surgeries in the past?" <laughs> and it's like, take your pick of which body part has not had surgery. And no surgeries in your past? Appendix, <laughs> tonsils. Uh, Have you had surgery? Yeah, I've had a few. <laughs> He's laughing. Well, because it's from head to toe, literally. That's oh, why we okay. laugh. Yeah, because like, there's I've nothing. Had, I've had over 15. It was like an episode of The Office. Like, just, it was like awkward and hilarious at the same time, you know? But um, also, again, that could be a whole episode. It was just him, would just be him yeah. talking about yeah. every injury he's had. I would be fascinated <laughs> yeah. by him telling, yeah. like, which match this happened from. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, my, my orbital's broken twice. Like, yeah, just going through all of them. She's like, he's trying to straighten his fingers out, but he can't. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, just, but again, that goes to show his dedication. There's no, he didn't have to do all that for us, but he did, you know? So it's just crazy, you know? And then, dude, I died when he was talking about how Vince was like, so, time for surgery. Like, I don't know, one thirty. He's like, oh, you got by 5.30? He's like, no. He's like, oh, I would have been. Like, he just, just, just can't help himself, man. Dude, like, oh, the Vince take your relationship. Best part of this whole series, man. It kills me. I would love to see a reality show. Just yes. Them. So, uh, and uh, also laughed out loud at the uh, surgery room playing Taker's theme music yeah. as he uh, goes under to the anesthesia, man. <laughs> Yeah, he goes to rest in peace to his own music. It's that's, great. Yeah, that's so. trippy right there. <laughs> um, Which that's true. I mean, when I when I worked in surgery, we played music the entire time. So, really? and we'd ask the person, you know, a song they'd play before they went to bed, and yeah, we'd put them, give them anesthesia, and they go to sleep. And but yeah, that was just funny seeing them play Takers songs. So. <laughs> it's a good, pretty funny. Good rib on him. Um, yeah. And this episode, we really get to see. Uh, or get to learn about and hear about the bond between Mark yeah. and Michelle McCool. That's a big focal point of this episode. Um, you know, you talked about redemption and how um, Undertaker talks about how Michelle has been sort of this redeeming point for this latter half of his life. And mm-hmm. um, it's just been a, a solid rock for him, uh, someone to encourage him. And uh, they share a lot of really cool stuff about them uh, meeting and how they connected, how they built this relationship. It's good stuff. Yeah, the two people she didn't never wanted to meet was were Kane and Taker. You know, and one of them he says is the nicest guy you've ever going to meet in the business, and the other one yeah, she married. So I thought it was pretty funny, and <laughs> you know, her talking about how what won her, what won him over was her throwing a spiral. Like that's all it took. He was like he was in love because she could right throw there. a spiral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, man. That was great. So but that- then here in like the real life after like. In August of that year, you know, he's, I guess his, his hip is rehabbing and stuff, and he's, his contract expires. I mean, we talk about, you know, his contract actually expiring this time, and he's going to go back and renegotiate, so we're going to get some more Vince and Taker time. <laughs> yeah, and again, you just see this bond between these two guys that have worked together for 30 years now, and if you just think about it, Taker's been the one guy to be there. The one guy who's never right. left, the one guy who's never retired, the one guy who never went to WCW or ECW or or AEW, um, never yeah. did any TNA. Yeah, yeah right. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> never went to Hollywood. Ring of know? Honor. 
um, never went and did movies or TV shows. He's right. just, he's a wrestler. And mm-hmm. um, he's been there for Vince. Um, Michelle says, there's a reason Undertaker named his son Gunner Vincent. Like, that's not by yeah. accident. Uh, it's not a coincidence. And we get to see um, one of the most surprising moments of this whole series where the interviewers ask Vince how he feels about The Undertaker. Yeah, this whole thing was uh, just crazy to see. You know, he, he asked him how he feels about him, and I think, it's, you know, he says, what does The Undertaker mean to you personally? And Vince is like, what has The Undertaker meant to WWE and to you personally? Does a little not the Taker throat slash, but just like the nope, cut it. I can't do this. Like he, he gets all teary eyed and he says, "Can't do that," and that's it. Like that's he can't talk about it, and it's just that was that blew me away, you know? Because right. again, you hear how much of a tyrant he is, but and I'm sure a lot of that is real. I'm sure he's a crazy old man, but <laughs> you know, seeing the real like, the real stuff come out here is is great. Because right before this, you know, Taker literally says, "He no one other than." my dad has been more influential my entire life, you know? And then we got the old vintage footage of them. And then little Vince Russo cameo backstage via, you know, old clips. So I'm glad Vinny Rue got a little bit of love there, but you know, and then take Vince says, you know, takers most employee local, local loyal employees ever had, you know? And, um, just, I just love it, man. And, you know, he came and put into words how much she means to him. So what would you, what were your reactions about that? Oh man. But yeah, it's just, um, you can't. You just have to see it. You know, you have to see Vince get yeah. that emotional because you don't ever see it. Um, it's so rare. Right. Um, this is the guy who won't let you sneeze in front of him, and you know is just yeah. this <laughs> yeah. machine that works out. Um, you know, every single day at three in He's the morning. He's late to this contract negotiation. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> sleep. He eats steak wraps every single in protein shakes every day. He's just like not a human being. Um, yeah. But somewhere deep inside, he is. And somewhere deep inside, yeah. he loves this guy. Um, I don't know if it's like a son or like a brother or just... It's, I mean, something unique, this bond that he has mm-hmm. with Mark Calloway. Um, he knows how much this guy has sacrificed for him. Um, it's the reason why he left WrestleMania to go be with him. It's the reason why he mm-hmm. can't even put into words. Because um, he's not going to show that sort of emotion on camera. But you can, no. tell, you can tell it's in there. If you said, tell me how you feel about Shane personally, he probably would have just said something. This <laughs> is <laughs> not even his... <laughs> Not even his own son. Like this is another another person he didn't give birth to, but like he can't talk about. It. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, just, I know you're not on know. Twitter, but uh, Vince he'll like always post on certain wrestlers' birthdays, like "Happy birthday yeah. to, to the man who started the Attitude Era, who's this icon, Stone Cold Steve Austin," or "Happy yeah. birthday to the woman who started the Women's Revolution, uh, the greatest women's wrestler of all time, Charlotte Flair." Uh, but then. Whenever it's Shane's birthday, it's like, happy birthday, Shane McMahon. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a meme on Twitter because he really did that. Yeah. That's all he said for Shane's that's, birthday. That's, see, I rest my case. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Uh, 
Well, um, then it kind of, like you said, you know, they're going to do the contract negotiations, and Undertaker says basically he didn't think he wanted to get in the ring again. He's just trying to figure out how he could give back to the company, what other sort of ambassador role he could have, and Vince does his Jedi mind trick, and um, Undertaker signs this new contract, and we, uh, <laughs> see him backstage at the Royal Rumble 2008, supporting Michelle McCool being in that first women's Royal Rumble, and mm-hmm. uh, great foreshadowing as Taker's watching AJ Styles that night. Um, was that the night he faced? I think it's him and Kevin Owens. Oh, Kevin Owens. Okay, Kevin Cena Owens. was the year yeah. before. I year guess. before, yeah, yeah, one of my favorite matches ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, him and Kevin Owens. I think that's the match that uh, on Kevin Owens' documentary. He says events was like, I don't want to talk to you about it. Like, he was so mad about it because yeah. it wasn't good. I think that's the one. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he caught, he's like, one guy here I missed. I'd have loved to have worked with AJ. He gets it. I mean, he really does. Reminds me a lot of Sean. Which is just. That's so cool. That's so funny. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, again, that's not planned. Like, this is not, this is real. So it's hilarious. Uh-huh. Well, Undertaker is inspired. He's going to get this ring sent to him um, that he's going to start to train in. Because like we said, you know, you can't you can't replicate ring shape, basically. You right. You got to just be in the ring, running the ropes, taking bumps. And um, I love seeing Taker and Michelle and even their daughter setting this mm-hmm. ring up, man. Just like he's mm-hmm. this old school rookie man uh setting this ring up putting the pads down and the boards down and this uh he says an old jet ski repair warehouse that they (laughs) rented out um uh it basically gave vince a deadline of the elimination chamber in february to decide if he was going to be able to wrestle at wrestlemania that year yeah vince i guess told him you know i want you to wrestle cena at mania if you can you know and so i said yeah give me till elimination chamber i'll tell you so we see him, you know, really getting his, his, uh, literally getting his legs back under him, and uh, you can see the wheels start turning in his head. He's really feeling good, and it's really cool to see him running across the ring. You know, he's not doesn't look fat and out of shape anymore. He's actually looking pretty good. So, and then he, you know, I think it's what February twenty fifth. He records that. He tells Michelle to come over here and record his, you know, video, and he sends it to. To, uh, to Vince during the middle of the Elimination Chamber show, which is it's like as a rib, he says to Vince, but it's that old Toby Keith line that we talked about, you know. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. I see you in New Orleans. I mean, he does the whole I roll and sends it to Vince, so I thought that was great. He's just like still, he's got a sense of humor, you know? Yes. <laughs> Send it to Vince in the mm. middle of the pay per view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, Vince, send him an expletive back and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I love. I wish we could have seen some screenshots of that. That would have been awesome. Yeah, but, uh, me too. Uh, we see more of Undertaker training. Um, he's got all these classic pay-per-view posters behind him, and got some Bible verses as well. He's got Psalm mm-hmm. one forty-four one back uh, behind him, and um, he doesn't really talk about his faith too much in this. But you know, we've seen that kind of come out in recent years, and seen that play a part in this. Um, and then we get. I'll go ahead. If and say you it. if you pay attention to the shirts he wears and stuff, you yes. you can you can see he does not avidly talk about it. But yeah, go ahead and that, say what about to say. I can't wait. A lot of military <laughs> and uh, other yeah. political shirts, but uh, um, yeah, we get go ahead and say the cameo of this episode is uh, 
Primo, yeah. <laughs> come on in there <laughs> to get the Undertaker ready for WrestleMania. I was not expecting that. No, I was like, that's got to be a rib. Maybe best Vince's rib for him for sending that text in the middle of the show. He's like, I get you, Primo, but man, I don't. I, these are they boys or something? You think? Because it looked no like way. they were getting along just fine. Like I don't know, man. But it's like know, a, it was weird. But The Rock had. Uh, Curtis Axel and, and, Kurt, yeah. and Kurt Hawkins, they came up and trained with him yeah. for uh, 2012 when he was making his comeback. Or mm-hmm. that was, uh, 2011, 11, 2012. 2011, yeah. 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 Maybe that's what Vince is like, grab the lowest ground totem pole, send him to take. <laughs> I'm not doing anything, man. <laughs> and uh, I believe he had just been released when this show Mm-hmm. Game on the network, but uh, it says former, yeah, yeah, no, former so WWE superstar kind of Primo. <laughs> it's kind of sad, uh, but Taker's feeling good. He he says he's he feels like he's in the best shape he's been in since since WrestleMania twenty five or twenty six, which yeah. is saying something. Mm-hmm. Man, best shape in about uh, eight or nine years, and um, he want he's got something to prove at WrestleMania thirty four with Cena. He wants. To not just have a good match, not just redeem himself, but he wants to go out there and steal the show, which is awesome at this age mm-hmm. that he even cares. Because he could just go out there and do his entrance, choke slam, tombstone, pose, Shakespeare pose in the middle of the ring, and nobody mm-hmm. would care. We, we, we would love it. Nope. But he doesn't want to do that. Exactly. He leaves it all in the ring. And he even says the last 27 years don't matter and last year doesn't even matter. So he wants to go out there. He, this is a big marquee match, you know, him and Cena. It's two of the big, I mean, the two biggest names they had at that point, you know. So um, it's just, it's great to see. And he says again, you know, this this might be the last time I'll make the walk down the aisle. Then I might call it quits, which again, <laughs> just like a running gag at this point. It really it's is. Like, it's the running joke of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. I uh, I thought it was neat that they like kayfabed his like his arrival at the arena. It's like this is the arena you were at, and we'll talk about this later. But you know that they they went to some great lengths to kayfabe. I mean, he's got the little like looks like a little uh, cart from like Wacky Racers. Basically, it's a golf cart with right. like black cloaks around it, like so they can't see who's on it. So. Yeah, I was able to go. One tickets a few weeks before. I uh, wish you had been able to go. Uh, ended up going with my brother-in-law uh, instead, and you know had a great time. And we'll of course talk about it. And it was, you know, like we said, it was right in the middle uh, of us doing this podcast, and uh, it was his first match back. So there was, um, and it was an interesting build because they didn't, they never advertised the match, and it's. It's Mm-mm. in the program. It's like a question mark over the match on there, which I think is a nice little touch too. And you know, Cena's in the crowd at the beginning of it, pretending like he doesn't know if he's going to wrestle on this night. And um, I wish they would have gone into that a little bit more. I wish they would have talked about a little bit more why they made that decision to book it, book the build up mm-hmm. in this interesting way. And um, Obviously, the big deal with this is that this match is only going to go about five minutes. You know, it's a sprint of a match, and Taker looks great in it, but he's disappointed by how short it is, and um, they never really go into why. No, they don't explicitly, and the only thing I could think of is that, honestly, I bet it was Cena saying, let's just let him go out there and bury me. Like, just let's let him show them that Taker's back, you know, because Vince knows how much how much he hated the year before his match, you know, against Roman and 
disappointed he was. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a combination of, you know, Vince and, and Cena just saying, no, let's just let's put him let's give him his confidence back. Let's get the character the confidence back, the fans the confidence in this character. You know, he's gonna come out there and squash the biggest name we have, you know, in five minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised. That's just me guessing, but um they never really go. But yeah, he's really hard on himself. You know, no one else seems to care backstage. Like, dude, it was great. Like in fact Shane's like it was awesome. Like, he's like, yeah, it was only five minutes. So Shane's like, it doesn't matter. It was awesome. Like he's his own worst critic. I mean, he really is. So which we all are. I mean, that's the that's yeah. the thing. That's how every every human being is. You know, we are all our own worst critics, and that's again what makes this show so special is seeing that in a guy like the Undertaker. Like, how could the Undertaker actually think that? Right. Uh, but he does, man. So it's it's so relatable. Um, and that's sort of the. The cliffhanger of episode three, and that's going to, or episode two, leading into episode yeah. three, chapter three, end of an era, which is going to cover uh, basically the rest of 2018, um, which is uh, sort of the Undertaker's world tour year as he goes to Saudi Arabia and Australia, Madison Square Garden, back over to Saudi Arabia, a crazy year that. Um, has some high notes and some ends with some very very low notes. No, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Do we want to do the yes. undies for episode two real quick? Yes, <laughs> chapter um, two. So best cameo of this episode. Oh shoot! What did I say earlier? Oh primo, primo. Yeah, it's got to be primo. I'm, I'm, you said it. No primo. question. Yeah, it's got to be primo. Be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, funniest moment of this episode. Uh, maybe her talking about um, how. What what won him over was him throwing the spiral. You know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that was good. I enjoyed that. Um, I'll say the nurse asking Undertaker, "Have you had any surgeries?" Or that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those. Biggest revelation for you in this episode. Their relationship, just him and Vince. You know, just, just yeah. Vince has a soul. <laughs> you can probably see it. Maybe that's it. Vince, yeah. It is part man. Very special moment in there. Um, yeah. I'll say, uh, I'll say just the fact that Undertaker didn't know till Elimination Chamber. He didn't know till he was like working out in the ring last night and, and feeling, feeling good in that training area if he was actually going to go to WrestleMania that year because, you know, we'd seen yeah. him at the Raw 25th anniversary earlier in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that towards the end of the show. It, it's on one of the bonus scenes on YouTube, uh, but he does actually talk about that. But, uh, I had kind of wondered why okay. they never touched on that in this episode, but it is on one of the bonus scenes. So, uh, we'll talk about that towards the end, but there we go. Episode two on to episode three end of an era, like we said. And, um, again, undertaker a little bit disappointed with his WrestleMania match for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says like you know I could have walked away if that was if I'd been satisfied, but if it was a more significant match, but you know I I don't know I don't know if I, I don't believe him, that though. for a second, man, because <laughs> yeah. he's not. There's no way he's walking away from that Saudi Arabia money, dude. And uh, exactly, <laughs> they probably already signed the contract for that, or he probably already knew that was coming up at this point. It was like figure. three weeks later, I yeah. think. If I'm so, not mistaken, it was sometime in April. I don't know if but I, I thought that. it was funny at the beginning. Yeah, I know. When uh, his, so his daughter is a big fan of Cena, you know. So uh, she's like, she's like, I can't believe Daddy won. And he talks about how like 
most of my matches that I lose, she's awake for, but the ones I win, she's asleep for. So, and uh, she kind of gives a thumbs up and a thumbs down because, you know, thumbs up, daddy won, thumbs down because he beats Santa. So that was kind of funny right off the get go. <laughs> I did enjoy that. And uh, his daughter is adorable and plays a lot of, yeah. has a lot of fun, cute moments in this series. Um, they don't, yeah, spend... and he's got older kids too. Right. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, they don't really. I think one of them's on the trampoline in the earlier episode, and they don't really talk about him. But yeah, obviously Michelle said that you know Gunner Vincent. So I don't know if she has other kids or not though. Before I'm not. I don't sure know. About that. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But he's got several. But yeah, that little one is. She's only what six or seven now. She's really cute. So yeah. Um, we don't spend a lot of time on uh, the first Saudi Arabia match, Greatest Royal Rumble casket match with Rusev or. They don't even talk about it getting switched to Chris Jericho for a week or two and then switch back to Rusev. Um, and then, I mean, it's funny. This is the year after he was supposed to retire, but actually it's the year he like wrestles the most uh, in the past yeah. six or seven years. So uh, he goes on to Madison Square Garden and has this six-man tag match with Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns against Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin, and Elias. Um, and in a really cool moment... The Madison Square Garden is lit up in purple lighting on the outside, which is just a huge honor, yeah. especially for a guy who understands that and respects that, like Taker does. Um, I hope, I'm sure that, I mean, you can tell, they obviously recorded this match. I hope they show it on the network or on a DVD someday. Yeah, me too. And MSG is going to come into play later on too, but like he has, he holds that place in such high regard. And, you know, he's got to wrestle there a lot. So, you know, he talks about, I think he's going to go back there a time or two. We're going to, we're going to touch on it in a minute, but like he talks about it could be my last time here. So again, it's just kind of a recurring thing with yep. all of these, but dude, <laughs> what better way for him to be, to go in mask regard than to be in a tag team match. I just love that. That's right. Play I love that. Teddy long must've booked it for this night. Um, and it's really yeah. cool to see yeah. uh, Kevin Owens get to take the tombstone. I'm sure he appreciated that. And oh yeah. Really love doing that as well. So then um, the next thing up is the Super Showdown in Australia against Triple H, which is for the very last time ever. These two guys will ever be in the ring together here. Uh, and that leads to that a, before. <laughs> a lot of talk from Hunter and Taker about their relationship together and how important their bond is. Yeah, it's cool because, you know, Triple H talks about how, you know, Taker was the one that told him, you know, when he started for real dating Stephanie, like, who cares what anybody thinks? Like, you just go do you, you know, like. When Steph and I got together and were starting to have a relationship, the guy that I talked to about it was Taker. He was one of the most supportive guys of it. He was like, screw everybody else and their opinions of you. You know what you bring to the table, and so do I. If anybody else doesn't like it, that's their problem. You know, he was in our wedding at a certain point in time. You found yourselves being two of the things that were just still always there. If you walked in the locker room, the one guy that could relate to everything that you had been through for the last 20, 25 years or whatever was Taker. So I thought it was pretty, pretty cool that because I'm sure that Taker's opinion meant a lot to him at that oh, point, yeah. you know. So yeah, and then also Triple H made a fantastic point. He's full of great stuff in this uh, series, actually, and he makes a great point about like you know. All of a sudden, you look around, and we're kind of the last two guys in the locker room that would understand a lot of the things that, A, we're going through physically, but also just like we've been through the same times together in the business, you know? So, you know, there really wasn't, you know, 
many other people at that point that were that were there, you know, doing that. So I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's the truth. It's the truth. And um, they mm-hmm. talk about their history of matches, the WrestleMania twenty five through twenty eight storyline uh, with Shawn Michaels as well. And Undertaker flat out says it. We've we've heard him say it on some other podcasts and stuff. But this is his favorite storyline his favorite series mm-hmm. of matches is that uh tetralogy that you know we went in depth in with uh saint ridley on the show and we we're just getting started covering those we just covered wrestlemania 25 and i'm um, very excited to walk through all those matches together um so they kind of go throughout those whole storylines and um ending with talking about that very special moment they share at the top of the stage at wrestlemania 28 uh which Undertaker says it was a spontaneous thing. Yeah, and I'd heard that in interviews with Sean before, but and, and Triple H, but hearing it from Taker, you know, really just made me solidify that that really was not planned, you know. And like I said, we'll we'll cover all those matches in depth later on. So, but it was this the meat of this episode kind of covers all that. But um, really cool that Triple H had the picture framed too. Um, you see, I think it's got Sean's ref shirt. I think some of Taker's like one of Taker's gloves or something and triple h's wrist tape and they're all signed all of them and have a picture of that and all three of them have them hanging up in their house pretty which awesome. i thought was really really, really yeah. cool yeah pretty awesome and you know taker says that was our last big shot doing what we get to do with each other until 2018 <laughs> we go to australia and saudi arabia together, so, yeah. uh, we see some great backstage footage at the australia show of undertaker playing cards uh, with uh, larry heck yeah. the, his trainer and another guy undertaker's been very close to throughout the years another i don't know how long he's been there but uh, I guess he's been there for a while for Undertaker to have this sort of bond with him. And they talk about playing mm-hmm. cards a lot. Uh, hilarious moment when they're doing rehearsals out in the arena, I guess. And Undertaker's <laughs> yes. gong hits right in the middle of them playing cards. And Taker's like, oh, that's bad luck for you, brother. I give Larry a lot of crap. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's bad news right there um, for you, brother. Cash in. About time I'm about to make a comeback. Yeah. Come on. We have a lot of downtime, especially when you're on the road all the time. We're spending a lot of time with Larry playing gin. We play so much cards that it's just kind of been people come in to just watch us play cards. And there's certain guys that would come into the room and I'd have to make them leave the room because they were bad luck. Hornswoggle, Big Show, Chimmel. <laughs> yeah, Hornswoggle was, was uh, you know... Uh, enemy, uh, enemy of the state number one, you know, and then Big Show and Tony Chimler are the other two. That's <laughs> he it, said, you got to kick out of the room. Got that stink so, on him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, got the bad luck. So, oh, so Taker Triple H, they have a decent match at Super Showdown. Um, sounds like Undertaker thinks it's better than most people thought it was, but it, it was okay. You know, we'll talk about it when we get there. And one cool thing we find out later, he says that they called it in the ring. Like they, they, he said they didn't talk about it, which is cool. They just did, yeah, which they they have the trust from Vince and the producers to be able to do that too. You know, um, I think that's pretty cool. So. And that leads into the crown jewel match, which this all sets up. Uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels DX reuniting. Shawn Michaels returning out of retirement for the first time in uh, 
almost 10 years here at this point to go against the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker and Kane. And uh, we see the uh, unedited <laughs> promo of <laughs> Undertaker and Kane telling Triple H and Shawn Michaels they got three words for them, which was, oh my goodness. First time I saw that, I was on the floor. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Oh, that was hilarious. And just watching Kane doing suck it was hilarious too. So yeah, it was it was funny, man. And uh you know during this time Taker's talking about, you know, there's no weak link in this thing and we're just gonna be four four friends going up there and doing what we do and we see some throwback to the brothers of destruction tagging together and stuff and just hit Taker's tag history kinda and you see Kurgan backstage, you see the DOA. You know, which is funny. And then you see O'Hare and Palumbo, which I just thought were pretty cool Chucky cameos P. there. Yeah, Chucky P, baby. And then, you know, Sean O'Hare, which could have gone done some so much more. But maybe maybe my favorite assessment of this Saudi match, Triple H, Triple H, he just knocks a homer here. He's like, you know, we thought about this Saudi match. He's like, you know, it'll all be great. No problem. Easy. It's with Kane and Taker. Dude, it's a night off, right? You'll come in there, we'll do a couple crotch chops, we'll throw some glow sticks out, a couple super kicks, drop an elbow, and it'll all be great. No problems. Right? Easy. Except me and Taker, you know, doing the once in a while thing. Sean hasn't wrestled in however many years. Kane's the mayor. This is like a bad comedy movie. It really is. I just thought it was like the most perfect assessment because it is a train wreck. It's awful. It is. They, they talked for a minute about how surprised they were that Sean was going to come back for this, um, which, again, uh, money talks, <laughs> just like it did for yeah. Undertaker coming for these Saudi shows. But, man, it, it is crazy to hear how honest these guys are and their assessment about this match. You oh, just yeah. don't see that on WWE programming to this level, which they have to be. Man, it, it was a disaster. It was an embarrassment. Yeah. And, um Triple H gets hurt early on, and that, that definitely affects it. That definitely throws it off. And Shawn Michaels hadn't worked in 10 years, so that's a huge part yeah. of it. Um, Kane's mask <laughs> and his wig fall off, yeah. for crying out loud. You can't yeah, recover Triple from H. that. <laughs> yeah, he goes, at one point I looked up, it looked like Kane's head fell off. <laughs> Triple H is killing me. He's great. And then Shawn goes, yeah, it, it totally blew. <laughs> just... Missed it by that much. Oh, man. That killed me. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And Undertaker, he's honest about it, too. He says he, Mm -hmm. uh, which they don't really get into this. I didn't really know what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. He says he wasn't there and Sean wasn't there either. They both had personal drama going on. So I don't quite know what all he's talking about there. He doesn't quite get into that. But uh, he says if this match worked out, that could have been the one. (laughs) That could have been the one he walked away <laughs> on. But, of course, it wasn't. And uh, JR has a great line here, just in the most JR way possible, saying... Sand is pouring through the hourglass at a pretty rapid rate. It's called Father Time. Father Time don't do any jobs. Father Time doesn't lose any matches. Oh, that's the nope. most JR assessment right. I've ever heard. Man, Father Time's going to get to you. He is, man. And in the same vein, Batista again. He's he uh, he loves Taker, man. He really. He, you know, we talked about when we covered their whole series that whole year. You know, uh, Batista talking about how much Taker did for him, and he has a really sobering view 
that says, you know, he's just going to keep going out there and looking for the end, you know, and he's going to keep on doing it. You know, he's like, doesn't owe anything to anyone else. He doesn't owe anything to anyone. Like he can stop, but he, but he can't stop. So it just really, uh, I don't know, man. You just see that his friend, he wishes he would just be okay with the career he's had, you know? Um, yeah, they but. use the phrase a lot. A lot of different people do chasing the dragon. Um, that's a mm-hmm. theme they keep coming back to for Undertaker and how he's just he keeps going after it, man. He can't get enough. He, he's he's gotta have it be perfect, you know. And and even when it is good, he's like, oh, maybe I could have another good one after that. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Oh, I gotta go redeem it. So there's it's a never ending mm-hmm. vicious cycle in here. Uh, yeah. And that basically tells the story of episode three. Um, so for your Undie Awards for this one, uh, what would you give the best cameo appearance on this episode? Uh, best cameo? I say I got to go with just a, a just Palumbo and O'Hare, man. I love it. Just a, <laughs> just That's great. It's great. It was... I'll go with uh, Trainer Larry uh, playing cards with Undertaker. That was a fun little mm-hmm. backstage moment. One was expecting to see on there. Um, funniest moment on this episode. Oh man, this episode was hilarious to me. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Either Triple H just summing up that match uh, when he says, you know, and Kane's the mayor. I just the way he delivered <laughs> that line just killed me, man. Right. Um, yeah, that might be my favorite. That or the missed it by that much, where Sean's arms are like six feet apart, like that. Either one of those. Oh, it's got to be Taker and Kane saying, "Go." Yourself, oh, yeah. <laughs> Michaels. I forgot about that. That's yeah. my number one. Um, and biggest revelation out of this episode? Uh, I think that there was something personally going on. You know, like I, I don't know what it was. Well, he doesn't get into it. It doesn't matter. But it doesn't say it's between him and Michelle. He says there's extra like family stuff, not between him. I don't know if it was ex-wives or kids or, or family. Well, she's got a big family too, so who knows? But just maybe hearing that that's kind of why he was off that night. You know, it's kind of the biggest revelation for me. I'll say uh, Hornswoggle being bad luck for playing cards. Um, no, not really. Uh, I'll say uh, <laughs> maybe that. I'll say that that uh, that that moment at WrestleMania 28 was just not planned. That. Um, Mm. That was just kind of spontaneous. It was those guys really taking it in and just feeling it in the moment out there. I think that's really cool and just makes that moment even more special. I thought it was a cool moment always, but I kind of had always Mm -hmm. assumed that was just supposed to happen. But uh, that's really neat, really special. Yep, pretty cool. And then they kind of end the episode kind of foreshadowing into Tech you're talking about needing to prioritize his family life and thinking about what life looks like past wrestling, which is going to take us to chapter four, which is called The Battle Within. All right, folks, slight change of plans here. We're not going to go into episode four just yet. We're actually going to save that for next week's edition of the podcast. You know, we went really, really long, a lot longer than we ever expected to discussing these five episodes. So for that reason, we want to give them the proper time to breathe and uh, we don't want to overwhelm you guys with stuff. And we, in full disclosure, also had a little bit of a scheduling conflict as well. So that 
For that reason, we are going to expand this into a two-part episode. So we're going to cut things off here after episode three of The Last Ride, and we will cover the final two episodes of The Last Ride, including our in-depth emotional thoughts about The Undertaker saying goodbye, riding off into the sunset, hanging up his six-shooter and his cowboy boots, and retiring. We'll talk about if we think we'll ever actually see him back in the ring again or not, if we believe in all this, uh, how it made us feel, all that stuff, and a full in-depth breakdown of those final two episodes next week on the podcast. We'll come back in two weeks to our regularly scheduled program and continue our journey rolling, rolling, rolling onto this last ride, uh, going through Undertaker's matches on pay-per-view, and we'll hit Bragging Rights 2009, a fatal four-way match with Undertaker, Batista, CM Punk, and Rey Mysterio, so it'll be fun to dig into that in two weeks. Until then, you guys can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkingTaker. We are available on every podcasting service you can think of. Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you want to listen to us, you can find us out there. If you really want to help support the show, there's a few things you can do. Uh, number one, you can leave a rating or leave a review on your favorite podcasting service and help spread the word. Share our podcast, retweet it, like it, spread it to anyone you know who likes wrestling, especially now that the buzz is all about The Undertaker right now. If pe- people you know are talking about the Last Ride series, hit them up and let them know that there's an entire podcast, 150 episodes and counting, devoted to The Undertaker's career. We would really appreciate it. If you want to support us monetarily, you can go to tpublic.com and pick up a Talking Taker t-shirt or even a Talking Taker mask to wear. Wear your masks out there, people. Stop the spread and do it by spreading the word about your favorite podcast instead. And of course, you can go to stitcher.com premium and enter in the code TALKINGTAKER, all one word, and you get a free month of ad-free podcast listening, bonus podcasts for all of the top podcasts out there. Thousands and thousands and thousands upon hours of podcast listening. Code TALKINGTAKER for a free month of Stitcher Premium. But yeah, until then, make sure you've watched all the episodes of The Last Ride. Let us know what you thought about this one. Let us know if we missed anything. And until then, take her easy. All right, Kane, this is to your line. In five, four, three. Triple H and Shawn Michaels, you had three words for us. Are you ready? Well, we have three words for you. Go f*** yourself.